Hey guys, welcome to the Fox and Burger podcast, where we bring you closer to the Asian side of the furry fandom. I'm your co-host Fox. And I'm Burger. And for today, we're going to yet another country that we've never been to before, but that we always wanted to go to, the land of the rising sun, Japan. Joining us today is Luca, a staff member from JMOF who works in public relations and translation. Luca has been in the fandom since 2006 and has been working with JMOF since 2015. We're finally here in Japan. We're happy to be here, uh, especially after the long hiatus after our panel. So let's please give Luca a big awu. Hello, everyone, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, very nice to have you. Um, I think uh, I'm trying to remember the first time I met you was JMOF 2018. And um, yeah, I think it was JMOF 2018. That was back in January, I think it was. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, you introduced me to Kriske at the time. That was my first JMOF. That was actually my first time in, uh, in Japan um, entirely. And then um, I know that uh, uh, we've been kind of keeping in contact ever since. And so um, I think you immediately came to mind for a person to interview about um, JMOF in Japan. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it's three or four years ago. Uh, <laughs> time flies. <laughs> Okay, so briefly tell us uh, about your persona and how you joined the fandom. Yeah, okay. If I have to choose one, uh, Primal Persona is a white anchor bunny. Mm -hmm. It's originated from my first fursuit made by myself. Uh, it's cosplay of a character in Japanese comic. It's not so much famous as Ibarano. And wearing top hat and bow tie and vest mm -hmm. and shackles change on wrist. Well, uh, later I came to identify myself as a more uh, stronger. However, uh, mm -hmm. he's not the only one. I often wear other forces and I feel have more food in the identity. You know, the first time I met him is when just before I turned twenty years old. That means. Mm. Uh, so more uh, more than ten years ago, and and you're I've... talking about your uh, you're talking about your bunny fursuit, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. I finished it March two thousand eleven. It that means mm -hmm. the day of the my first fursuit in in public was three eleven earthquake in, in Japanese. Uh, mm. That was so unforgettable memory. For me. I would say so, yeah. And I know this fandom more than 15 years ago. At that wow. time, the Japanese Kemono fandom was so small and then now, and the fursuiters and Dojin artists uh, rarely had the contact things. Actually, Dojin artists constitute the fandom, I guess. Hmm. And there was only small fursuiter made but started to grow bigger and bigger, and I attended some remains, but almost no contacts before, because lack of money and confidence. I was high school student, and younger than now. After I became university student, I made them, I made my fursuits, so I socialized more and more, then right. come to the fandom. One of the fandom members. So you, when when you joined the fandom, you said it was fifteen years ago. You, mm. Basically, at that point in Japan, there there were no fur cons. Is that right? 
Yeah, it's Japanese fork on Fasto in Japanese, but uh, free doji market. Also, the 2012 in Anfrakum. Yeah, I referred to it later. Yeah, I, I'd want to use that as a segue to kind of jump into our next section, which is actually uh, more about JMOF and mm-hmm. the history of JMOF. And so I'd like to go ahead and ask you that, like, can you tell us in some, like, what is the history of JMOF? And also, why did you guys want to start JMOF? <laughs> yeah, okay. Actually, to be honest, I wonder if I have right to talk about JMOF as, as if I'm authorized, but actually... I'm JMOF staff after 2015. Mm. The JMOF was founded by Kriske in 2013. Mm. As I said before, there's no kimono, com- no kimono fairy convention in Japan. The right. place we can mix and socialize with the various kind of people. And, and talk and do party at hotel room till late at night things. The some forests, especially for suitors, but quite small number of furs travel abroad and attend uh, overseas furcons like Anfrican or MFF or uh, Furry Week in Atlanta or yeah, you can imagine their experience is beyond description. So in turn, they come back and think about why there's no furry convention in my country, Japan. Mm-hmm. Also. Mm-hmm. I attended the in 2012 and really excited and have, seen, have the same kind of PCD. Chris speaks English well and he had several experience of US cons. Right. And the, I heard that why Chris decided to organize Farcon at 2013. At that year, he was going to finish his doctoral degree and enter oh, a wow. company. <laughs> wow. Wow. So he was unwilling to become Japanese business bum, you know, because of its city company cultures. Mm-hmm. So he needed to place to fulfill himself as a one with furries. So the first JMO is held in Hikone in Shiga Prefecture, near the Kyoto. But mm-hmm. now, uh, JMO was held in uh, Toyohashi city mm-hmm. next to Nagoya is that right? To the yeah, east of yeah, Nagoya. Right, right. Yeah, I remember coming into uh, Japan through Nagoya Centraire, I believe Nagoya Centraire Airport, International Airport, I should say. I have to take a train right uh, from Nagoya to to Toyohashi, um, and then from the Toyohashi station because the train doesn't actually stop at the hotel. You usually have to take like a taxi, or someone is gonna have to drive you. Um, it's possible to walk, but I think it's a little bit too far and it's kind of too cold because uh, just as a reminder, guys, this is Japan in January, so it's kind of kind of cold, yeah, uh, at yeah, least yeah. at least for me, it's a little, a little bit cold. Um, and so, um, you know, like like going by taxi is probably the best uh, bet at that point. Um, and so um, I think that like I think that like the location is so interesting because like once you actually get to the con itself, then you get like more restaurants. Um, there's like a Don, what do you guys call it? Don Don Donkey? Uh, Don Quixote? Don Quixote? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> um, right. Next, you're right. Uh, maybe we can show a picture of that, um, the Don Quixote next to the con. Because um, like there's like a lot of things, like once you get to that hotel area, there's there's a lot of things there that I guess is like, it makes it more interesting or just makes it very convenient. 
I guess it's a biggest hotel in the Aichi area, and uh, it's a place is like a thriving spot. So the a little far from the station, it's a little inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the other things that make this convention special. Especially since you have experience with overseas and even Western conventions, can you tell us compared to that what makes JMOF special? Uh huh. The compared to the international conventions, the main point is many kimonos. So if you wanna meet kimono style flowery, uh, you must come to attend. And also some other kind of. People like、uh, anime girl Kigumi stuff with animal ears and tails.、Uh, last JMO.、Mm. Besides, we often said that the dead dog party was a wonderful. The it shows the how we love the drinking and socializing. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely,、mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and can you tell us more about the dead dog party? Because I've seen and heard a lot about it, I've especially used video footage for this podcast. But I want to hear your take on it. Tell us more about the Dead Dog Party celebration at JMOF. Okay, it's in short, it's a stand-up buffet after the closing ceremony.、Mm-hmm. The biggest difference is our party coming last is not dancing. The, the people talk with hoots and rings. Its atmosphere was beyond description, actually. So so nice. The sadly next gem of canceled due to the preventing COVID nineteen infections.、Mm. Oh yeah, I didn't、I'm、think、sad. about that. That's a、uh, yeah.、Right. Wow. The facts show that we loved the kind of party things in Japanese. It was said uchiage、uh, things. Also we. Uh, we means not only Japanese but also Asian people. I guess I cannot forget how excited Taiwanese first on the, of course the jam of dead dog or the Taitaes or other Asian cons. <laughs>、yeah, Taiwanese people are really excited about that kind of uchiage things. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember in well again. I I went to JMOF in 2018, and、uh, I was、uh, I was talking to some of the Japanese furs、uh, at that、uh, at at JMOF 2018, and yeah,、uh, they party pretty hard. They party just as hard as the、uh, the Japanese furs. I remember a lot of red faces were everywhere. A lot of Asian blush.、Um, I'm not sure if I got too wasted at that time because、uh, I had a. Morning flight,、oh. uh, cut that that uh that Monday, um. So the con ends on Sunday, right? So come mor uh come come Monday morning, I actually need to leave, and I remember I had to wake up at four a.m. uh to catch my flight, which was at like eight or nine, I think. Um, and I'm like, wow,、uh, I cannot believe uh I'm doing this, but I'm doing this, uh. But no, like like I remember, like maybe I if I can find some pictures, I would love to show you guys like like the the drinks and everything. And I remember there's like a little corner. Of the of the room, isn't there a corner where there's like a photographer and he takes up a, like a bunch of pictures, and so everyone was doing like a giant kanpai towards that little corner. It's like in the top <laughs> left corner, or whatever of the room.、Uh, I think I've got a picture or a video of that that I can share, and、um, everyone's like raising their glasses.、Um, 
I, I guess, you know, to say kanbai and everything. I like a good drink. I like a good atmosphere. And so being in a room where there's like this merriment, there's this happiness, there's this sort of like, you know what, like we're here to party, we're here to have fun. I think it's such an amazing thing. I, I've never seen anything like yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's really good to capture on camera or on video just to show people, hey, just to show people the camaraderie and all the exciting moments that happened that night. I would even go so far as to say that I think the dead dog party is my favorite part of Jamoff, I think. Um, and so I, I like to kind of turn the question over to Luca, though. Uh, you know, you've been to several uh, Jamoffs. I, I believe you mentioned you've been to the you've been to every single Jamoff, um, if, if I'm not mistaken. And um, out of all those years, like what, what would you say is your favorite thing about Jamoff? Like, is it a certain event? Is it the atmosphere? I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to know. Mm hmm. Yeah, difficult to choose things. Of course, <laughs> I have many unforgettable memories with the dogs. But, mm, yeah, especially in recent years, because uh, I'm engaged in stuff and working. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But my favorite is uh, the performances and videos on stage things. Mm. We can feel the enthusiasm of every performance and audiences. And... Actually, uh, my favorite moment of the first jam is the same thing. So I was really moved to tears to to see the stage and in in the enthrall things. Yeah, mm. yeah. Finally, we are in free convention in this country. I wow. really moved. So that emotion made me decided to cooperate and engaging in stuff to growing jam of things. Wow, that's... I, I, I'm really, I'm really getting like vibes from the conversation, the interview that we had with Chiros and and Claude because I think they, you know, I wish they were here because they had that exact same sentiment. I was just about to mention that. Yeah, I was just about to mention that as you were saying about Claude and Chiros, their movement to tears at the end of Pauai, their very first year of their very first successful furry event in Indonesia. Again, not just the first one ever, not just the first successful one, the first ever and successful one. And that's basically why they were moved to tears so much. Basically at the end of the event, I think at closing ceremonies, if I'm remembering it right. Uh, but we always had the podcast, so correct me if I'm wrong, you can always listen to that again. Yeah, I, I, I want to echo those sentiments. Basically, uh, like what Berger was saying is just like, I think that it's such a cool thing to see uh, Asian Furicons pop up here. Because, um, again, you know, both of us being Westerners, we we do have this like conception of like furry coming from America. And so for me, at least, I find it interesting to see how furry is uh, translated into Asian culture and what what do Asian Furicons do that's different um, because, uh, you know, like I, I was talking with JC a couple nights ago, we were having dinner and, you know, like JC asked the same question, like, you know, like, like why I really want to know why people like Taiwan so much, you know, and that was actually one of the, um, inspirations for the panel that, that we were asked to do. Um, and I think like, I, I echo that exactly, you know, like what makes these countries special? What makes these countries different? What makes the fur cons different in these countries? So I'm very happy to keep seeing Asian cons, you know, pop up here in Asia. And um, like, I know we have COVID going on and, and it's going to make international travel, you know, a lot more difficult now. 
um, until it gets safe again. But I really hope to keep seeing, you know, the continuation of these cons, whether that be in physical form or online form. And then there's also, um, this is a little bit out of the scope of this episode, but I know that there's other like um, furry related conventions or, or gatherings. Because uh, I think like there's, there's one in Osaka now, I think it's called OFF. Um, uh, O-O-O-F. Yeah. Um, yeah, O-F-F-F, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, is it O-F-F-F? <laughs> Sorry. Osaka uh, furry. I'll, I'll find a picture. I guess. Yeah, that one is in Osaka. Um, one of my friends, June, is, um, I think he's like a volunteer for that one. Uh, you have to remind me, is it called Kemoket? Is, is that the uh, Dojinshi Con? Is, mm. is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Doji Market. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's something for the audience to maybe a message to the audience, you know, here in Asia, because I, I, it's, it's not just Japan, it's also Taiwan. And I know it's also um, a thing, it's a phenomenon in Thailand. Cause I think they have something called Fur Square. Um, Sometimes you have a convention just for selling doujinshis. Yeah, yeah. Um, How do you know, describe like, like the doujin market things? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask Asper a question. Do we have anything similar to just like what would be called doujinshi con in the states? I can't. I I can't think of anything. I guess the closest thing would be like Comic Con, but that's a more like uh, physical sales of the big labels, mm-hmm. DC and Marvel along with independent labels like Image, IDW, Black Horse, not Black Horse, Dark Horse, you would know what I mean. And then maybe some Japanese distributors Mm -hmm. that bring imports to America. But never someone physically selling their own comics themselves that they drew themselves and colored and pressed Mm -hmm. themselves. I don't really think that's a thing in the States. Yeah, I don't think in the States there is like just a market for comics uh, because that's what that's what Dojinji cons are like they just primarily sell comics. I mean, they might sell other products, they might sell arts and crafts. But when you walk into a Dojinji con, maybe we can flash some pictures if, if we're allowed to, uh, depending on the content. But uh, and you enter a Dojinji con, you just see like a wave of comics just waves and waves of comics and, and people like walking around. It's usually pretty crowded actually. And people just walking through different, you know, the different aisles and the different lanes, um, looking and buying what they want. And, um, like here in Taiwan, we have doujinshi cons, but then there's also a furry doujinshi con called, uh, furry Mosa. Yeah. Furry Mosa. Um, oh, that's I what think it that's is. Okay. Towards. Yeah, I think that's towards the end of the year. Let's say like October, maybe September. I'm not sure if they're held this year. They might have got postponed, um, maybe due to yeah. COVID. Uh, just like just like in Verney, you know, like they they were going to have a physical con, but because of COVID, they switched to an online con. So I, I'm I'm assuming that's kind of what happened to Furimosa. Maybe maybe they just decided to postpone it entirely. But anyway, um, I think we've been talking a lot about the conventions, but I think we should go ahead and move on to uh, how the fandom is. What is the how is the fandom like itself in Japan? And so um, this is a question I, I'm actually like. I'm always so curious about. I guess I'm really, really fascinated about Japanese culture um, and for Japanese furries by extension. And so my first question here is, how would you describe Japanese furries overall? Um, mm. Because I think like there's kind there's this kind of like conception that they're like shy, I suppose, or introverted. But like, what, 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 what do you think? Well, maybe a little shy compared to overseas furries, but that depends on people. <laughs> <laughs> A little becoming openly, I guess it might be affected by like 
Chinese or Taiwanese people, I guess. Uh, they mm-hmm. are, so they seem to be quite open. How would you describe yourself then? Like, do you think you're a shy person? Because <laughs> I, I, I don't think I ever got to ask you that question. <laughs> well, for me, so I'm a little shy, things. Compared to my friends, not so much too shy. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure actually. <laughs> I guess I have a follow-up question there. Do you think like having the ability to speak English or at least you know speak English to some degree, do you think that makes you more open? Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's so interesting question. Actually, my ability can socialize in the overseas friends. So in that sense, the ability makes me a little openly or widen my war things mm. yeah mm-hmm. so on a slightly different topic let's focus on the general japanese public and how they view furries specifically fursuiters and all sorts of furry costumes do they consider it part of cosplay or anime or the mascot culture basically when they see a furry costume what is going on inside of their head? Tell us more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. That generally, uh, furries are not so much well-known as overseas, I guess. They may think we cosplay or something else. The, in Japan, uh, we have many, many mascots, uh, like the company stuff, right. local stuff, and more and more. That it's called the Yurukiara things. It's quite popular things. Also, the character show and greeting for Charles, or like the Disneyland things, or some team park thing, also so popular thing. Also, the cosplay events are becoming more, more and more. So, hmm, it's likely that they think we must be any kind of them, and it's. A little easier to explain that who are you the way cosplay doing cosplay thing is mm-hmm. it's easy to understand mm-hmm yeah I feel like it's a little bit easier to explain over in Japan Taiwan other parts of East and Southeast Asia just because it's more prominent and comes from a more local culture rather than in the West where it's been more imported because of anime. It is becoming more popular due to geek fandoms having a rise in presence because of the internet growing and continually getting better and more visible. But, and this has been a question that we have discussed with others on this podcast before, do you need permission or a permit or something to go out and fursuit somewhere without getting in trouble? Well, actually, I think no permission needed go fursuiting outside with uh, handlers. Yeah, sometimes it's was it's seen as the a little inadequate, but almost it was not illegal things. Mm-hmm. So, would you say that? The chance of getting in trouble is low, like uh, like if you were to, if you were to go to a I don't know a mall and you wear a fur suit, 
Um, would uh, you say there's a high chance of getting in trouble or a low chance? I guess with handlers, it, it's low chance to traveling, but solo suiting, I'm not sure. <laughs> a little <laughs> danger. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I figured. Well, what do you think that when they see you guys first suiting, what what do you what do you think is going on in their heads though? Like like that's something I'm always curious about because as we kind of keep touching upon uh, in this podcast, I think that the people like here in Asia, when you see someone in an animal costume, they might think you're a mascot. So it's just like, do do you might have any idea like what those like bystanders or 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 people on the streets looking at you guys? Do you know what they might be thinking of? Well, yeah, that kind. Of st- a kind of strange, doing strange things, but but rarely, uh, rare to say that. What are you doing? So <laughs> <laughs> it's just a see, um, <laughs> yeah, just a see thing. <laughs> yeah. So how about um, let's say you do have a bystander and they ask you like what you are doing, and you do want to explain to them like that you are a furry. Because um, I know I know that you said that okay well maybe I can use the word cosplay for example I can use the word cosplay to help the um, bystander to help that person understand what furry is maybe to ask a more specific concrete question like what is what is the Japanese word for furry just asking the basic question for our audience to know. <laughs> the, what's the furry is. is <laughs> It's always a, a not easy question. So, <laughs> in simply as uh, answers, uh, it's a people like the animal characters, but I like to say the freeze have a kind of a kind of intimacy to the little far from the genuine human stuff that than ordinary people that. Our imagination makes it possible to start mm-hmm. it. it. It's a little philosophical meaning, but uh, yeah, but it may be the our proud the sensitivity or creativity things. That, so that's the point. I love to think what we can do for is in the social domain things. So. Um, I kind of, I kind of want to ask a more specific question. Then, like, 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 um, like, how is the word uh, "furry" translated into Japanese? Because I, I, I know that the, there's this term "kemono," uh, mm-hmm. but, but that's my question. Does "kemono" does that mean does that mean "furry" in in Japanese? It's always a trouble in the translating the "kemono" and "furry." So, mm-hmm. quite often, I use the almost the same meanings to explaining the English about the kimono things hmm. but uh, the term furry, furry is necessarily foreign for me but uh, in detail things uh, the kimono means you know the kimono in alphabet or in katakana things but uh, the term is also the longer history of things mm. but I, I, I couldn't explain well here only the boy things <laughs> but uh, in English I guess the kimono mean the, a kind of style so one of the furries but uh, mm. I feel the kimono is the kind of fur, furry like culture in Japan so mm. I feel it's a Mainly it's a play thing, but uh, virtually it 
almost the same tendencies or or mind or aspiration or desire or, or our love things. But the younger girls in Japan sometimes seem to uh, tend to say, I'm far, farty in Japanese things. So it may be a strategical or some the new kind of the their thought or feelings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you said something interesting that I want to pick up on when you said that um, in English, the word kimono means a style of furry, I suppose, uh, maybe like in, in terms of appearance. But then if, if I'm understanding you correctly, kimono in Japanese is, is like a furry-like creature. Is, is, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Interesting. So, I, I, I did not know that. Like I did not creatures know that. or beast or <laughs> right, that yeah. kind of meanings. I think it's similar to in Mandarin where we describe it as like a magical beast or like a magical beast person. Mm-hmm. So staying within this topic of the more cultural aspects of furry, do you think furry as a concept that we know of right now, is more foreign to Japan? Or is there something native to Japanese culture that is at least related to how we think of as furry? Well, I tend to think that a kind of the native con- Japanese concept of the kemono stuff, yeah. but I'm not sure that it would be called in furry things. Hmm. The, I feel the furry, actually, the kind of the outside or Westerner things a little. So I feel more familiar, that kind of just a fee, uh, feeling, that kind of kimono. Like uh, quite often the, our traditional the cultural things for the animal things, uh, like uh, yaoyoros or choju giga or and so on and you also have yokai which are spirits that can sometimes embody animal forms yeah the yokai or mononoke mm-hmm. is the kind of uh, related to the animals like a human or personality or some kind of things yeah in that sense mm-hmm. It's true that uh, kind of the native things, but I think it's the similar thing is uh, also the Western culture thing. <laughs> so if I'm understanding you correctly, and again, please, please do correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm understanding correctly, you, you do think that furry, like this concept is something foreign. Like, like you don't think that this word or concept is present in Japan like it comes from abroad, even though you might already have a similar concept in Japanese culture, but like furry, like this modern word, like this word coming from English, like would, would you say like that's something foreign? Yeah, yeah. furry is associated with the, the contemporary Western or American things, I guess, but the mm. kimono thing is uh, quite fit to the native Japanese things. It's a really detailed sense 
and too difficult to explain. Mm. So if I'm understanding that correctly, then if you say the word furry in Japan, that means something different from saying the word kemono in Japan. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, these yeah. are two different concepts in a sense. Right. And also along the same topic, can you briefly tell us any differences or similarities between the Japanese furry fandom and the Western furry fandoms? At least the ones that you yourself can discern. To be honest, as for furry fans, that mean our things, I feel that we are similar rather than have a difference, but hmm. uh, specific, specify some difference. I think Japanese furs were less capitalized than overseas, you know, the... <laughs> Sure. Yeah, but the, during the pandemic, the, we are more capitalized things. For example, the in Japan, the SCAP, the online commission mediating service are very come to the famous things. Uh, and one more thing, so I think the Japanese furs are very reluctant to show their own face mm. in the videos and photos. Mm -hmm. That might that might be the biggest difference, but not sure. That we have many VTubers, the virtual YouTubers, including right. furry things. The in contrast, overseas, the just a YouTube thing, doing YouTube thing or streaming things. How do you think about? So you're asking us how we feel about VTubers? Yeah, yeah. That that kind of the difference are existing or not well speaking so showing hmm. show, showing their own hmm. face right. on the media yeah i think that uh as someone who has used a virtual avatar in the form of a like drawing or a picture for a youtube video i think that in a way it is similar to having your own fursona or fursuit just the separation between yourself and a more idealized version or just a character that you want to play. Just another appearance that you want to express to an audience, basically. But the difference here is that you're using VR technology, like the tracking of your face, the tracking of your body, like your arms, all the way down to like your whole body. That's how they do it with VR chat, but they are using that with VTubers especially back in 2017 with Kitsune Ai. That was the first one they ever did back on YouTube, and I remember that being, like, quite a sensation. But now you have yeah. actual agencies, like companies, with groups of talent to perform these VTubers for Twitch, for YouTube. And they have their own followings. They have their own dedicated fan bases for just that one girl or guy uh vtuber and these are hired talents by the way these are people that audition to be a part of this phenomenon mm -hmm. and what and what year was that uh 2017 i think oh okay okay gotcha and now since then you also have independent vtubers ones that are not part of like hollow live or v shoujo or whoever and they either make the rigs themselves or they commission someone and then they use that. It's basically exploded at this point. 
<laughs> so I have something I want to add on to that then, because we are talking about similarities and differences, right? And if I'm understanding Luca's question correctly, he's saying like, well, what about VTubers? Do you find, is that, is there something similar there with like Western, the Western furry fandom? And I, I myself kind of perceive VTubing as, as something from Asia, as something <laughs> most likely from Japan, where it originally comes from, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't actually know too much about it. I'm, I'm not a VTuber. Shout out to Pukon, though. Uh, <laughs> that guy, that guy is, uh, he's a VTuber. That guy's like a full-time VTuber if you guys uh, haven't checked out his content. Um, and I think Kiyochi's trying to do more of that stuff nowadays as well. So shout out to those guys. Um, I don't know very many Western VTubers. It could be because of my lack, my lack of um, experience or my lack of like contact with Western VTubers. But I think that, like, back to the original question, I do find that to be something different. Like, VTubing mm -hmm. seems to be something coming from Asia, uh, which I never thought too much about, you know? Like, I mean, this this podcast is all about similarities and differences and 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 comparing and contrasting. And so mm -hmm. I, I usually, I don't know, I'm always fascinated by that, right? I'm always fascinated to see, like, what, the, what happens here that we don't have in the West, uh, specifically the U.S. because that's that's where I'm from. But I did have a follow-up question to this this, this question about one difference and one similarity, and I want to ask Luca this because I find this to be a similarity. But again, please correct me if I'm wrong. Because like you mentioned in in the panel about we had uh, for Infinity uh, Online 2.0 uh, the interviews from a broad panel, and in your panel you said that you liked how LGBT friendly Taiwan is. And so my question has to deal with LGBT, actually, because I usually see the furry fandom as a sort of safe refuge for people who um, are in the LGBT community. In Japan, if you're a furry, do you think that the Japanese furry fandom provides the same sense of like safeness, safety, I should say? Like, do you find do you find the LGBT aspect of the Japanese furry fandom to be uh, very like welcoming? So we can find the similar people that mean the uh, minorities. Mm -hmm. So we can we can many kind of the minor ma, the the traits as a minorities in the fandom, but I'm not sure the feeling of safetyness is not so much the and. That's the kind of problem of the our community in Japan, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. It's a, just the personal feelings, the, like the Pride Parade. Uh, mm. Actually, the so in Japan, there is also the Pride Parade things. Uh, but we have the very very little connection, or in short, the. The furry, uh, Japanese furries are hesitate to the joining in kind of political movement things, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I guess that is a political movement, technically. My perception of, of Japan kind of lean towards Japan being a more conservative country. Um, and so I think like to kind of like identify as LGBT, that might be um something that's not socially acceptable or you know like that's something that that might cause some issues perhaps like with your parents or with your with your friends or with society at large i should say 
Right, and it's not necessarily because they think poorly of someone just because they're gay or whatever flavor of LGBTQ+. It's just because that Japanese society has been built upon this collectivist, structured, organized society with its own invisible, unspoken social etiquettes. Anything that breaks from that mold has just always been seen as bad or divisive or going against the grain, just not good. Mm-hmm. And that includes being gay sometimes. It's just the Bushido thing. <laughs> yeah, Bushido things. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the younger generations are really conservative things, but just reluctant to the joining the political movement things. Okay. Like, And while I really want to continue this conversation, uh, going deeper into Japanese culture, that might be something that we do in the future, of course. Uh, We do need to wrap up here. And so my last question actually goes back to J-Moff. And this is kind of a standard question of ours. Where do you see J-Moff in, let's say, five years? Is there anything new you would like to add to J-Moff? Certain activities or perhaps... um, uh, finding a new hotel, changing location, because I know a lot of people keep <laughs> complaining about <laughs> about the hotel situation. So I, j- I just want to know, like, like, you know, if you're if you're OK with sharing a little bit of that, uh, I'd like to hear I'd like to hear, like, wh- where do you see J-Moff in, in five years? Yeah, it's not easy to forecast a new future thing, but the hotel sure. capacity is, yeah, actually, the one big problem was but current the policy things that we are focusing the more having more communication with the local people or local stuff around mm. Toyohashi thing. So, mm. so that means the location change will be the far future thing. Mm-hmm. Also, the kind of activity things, yeah, that. The now the JMO have the VR things, uh, kind of the one our staff have the great enthusiasm about the VR things. So mm-hmm. then VR JMO succeeded the uh, time and times uh, last year, and we started the uh, 2020, the January thing. That means yeah, before yeah. the pandemic. So that might be the our our feature in near the future thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the VR chat world look, looks nice. If I'm not mistaken, there's there's an official, uh, what's it called, Loisir Hotel. There's an official mm-hmm. Loisir Hotel VR chat yeah, world. Yeah. Is, is that is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know CT loves VR chat. I think I think I saw him <laughs> in there a few times. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's it's a really good, yeah. uh, well made world. It 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 really it really reminds me of like the Infernity world because that one was really well done as well. Um, the uh Furong Hotel. They made a um. Well, I don't think I don't think scale model is the right word, but they basically modeled the world in VR chat, and um, it's a uh, pretty faithful, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Ferran Hotel is not next to the sandy yeah. beaches. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, our time is almost up for this episode of the podcast, but we still have some time for you to give a social media shout out. Go ahead and give us your social media handles, whether for you or for JMoff. It could be Facebook, Twitter, anything you want. Well, the, as for JMoff stuff, so 
you can you can see the our website and the Twitter thing, the JMOF underbone EN or Japan meeting of furries in searching things. And as for me, the my Twitter account is M A N G L U C A Manguka. You can find me. Alright, good. So we learned a lot about the Japanese furry fandom and about its big conventions. You have JMOF, you have Camelcat, you have Off in Osaka. We learned about some differences between the Western and Japanese fandoms. We learned about how they can easily get away with public viewings and appearances without a permit. And yeah, that's about it. So yeah, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Arigato gozaimasu. Arigato gozaimasu. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And this has been the Fox and Burger podcast with me, Burger. And I am the Matcha Fox. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.